RecruitersLiveLounge.com, episode 13. Deleso supports clients by providing a tailor-made service from outsourced back-office functions right the way through to director-level advice and consultancy. Go to deleso.co.uk forward slash RecLiveLounge. RecruitersLiveLounge.com where you get to hang out with the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on the planet. Hosted by Roy Ripper. Hey everyone, welcome to Recruiters Live Lounge, where you get to hang out with some of the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on our planet. And I am so excited today to be able to welcome Russell Clements, chairman of Cube19. Um, now listen, Russell is the former CEO of S3 PLC. He was their third employee back in 1986. I think that dates all of us. Um, and he led the group's IPO back in 2005. He retired from S3 in December 2012. And at that stage, the company were up to 2,200 staff in 64 offices across the globe. Russell's currently enjoying his chairmanship at Cube19. Hey, Russell, how's it going? Good, thanks, Roy. How are you? I'm very, very well. And Russell, look, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. There's a lot of people really interested in this interview and your answers. If you're happy, let's get started. Um, Russell, one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you is, what's your favourite success quote and how do you apply it in your everyday life? That's an interesting one. Um, I suppose if I was, I don't know whether it qualifies to success quote, but something I talk um, a lot about comes actually from my background as um, someone who, who uh, was very nearly a, um, a politics professor. That's what I wanted to do. In fact, actually, I had a bit of a sliding doors moment and uh, ended up getting, getting into recruitment. But in the parallel universe somewhere, there's a Professor Clements. <laughs> and, uh, I was very inspired when I was um, young by a famous, actually, it was an Italian Marxist. Um, called Antonio Gramsci, so it's going to sound a little bit pretentious potentially, but um, essentially what he was talking about was revolution um, and, the, um, and, and, and the struggle for um, uh, workers, etc. But he said that revolutionaries should have a combination of pessimism of the intellect and optimism of the will. Okay. So in other words, you know, if you haven't got a positive attitude, then things aren't going to happen. But by the same token, if you just go around and kid yourself, if you think a revolution is going to happen just because you wish it to happen, then you're clearly in, 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 a, in a sort of deluded state. And I think you can take a lot about business, about that combination, because I think you have to have a positive attitude, uh, otherwise it's fatal. But I think, um, I see a lot of this actually in recruitment, you get a lot of people that are Pollyannas really, and will always look for the most positive outcome, which is great and probably makes a nice human beings, but sometimes doesn't necessarily mean to say that they um, they make the best uh, business decisions. So I think you've got to have a degree of scepticism and, and, and base things on, on the world as it is, not as the world as you would like it to be. I think that's great, Russell. I've not heard that quote before. So He was a very obscure guy. <laughs> he died in an Italian um, uh, prison under Mussolini, poor bugger. Wow. Okay. Listen, I'll be looking that up after this interview. Thank you for that. And I, I agree with you, Russell. It, it's about that it's about being optimistic but it's also about taking action because I, I get loads of people that talk to me about you know they dream to do this and they dream to do that and they've got some really great dreams and they're optimistic about it but it's that failing to take action as well so 
Um, and yeah, I, 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 I love that quote. I think it's a really, really good one. Now, now Russell, I want to take our listeners and viewers on um, a bit of your journey. And we know that, you know, uh, b- behind every great business leader, um, there's usually some kind of failure, you know, that in our past, the thing that spurs us on is something's happened, something's not gone quite right, quite right for us. What was the biggest failure that you've had personally in recruitment looking back? Well, I think, I think the first thing I'd say is I'm a, I'm a great believer that fear of failure can be just as big a motivator. So I started a dialogue um, quite regularly with one or two of my senior colleagues about this, and uh, they saw things differently. But I think uh, fear of failure is a great motivator. It's as, as powerful for certain people, certainly I'd include myself in this, um, as a desire for success. So that's been a major part of my my. Um, my personal motivation. I think I've been asked this question in, in the past, and I think it's difficult to talk about particular moments um, because I think most of the time when I know that I've made bad decisions, I have to say it's been proven to be more with the benefit of hindsight. Okay. And uh, you know, I couldn't have really, in you know, um, honesty and, and in fairness to myself, have made so much of a different decision. It just transpired, it wasn't necessarily the greatest um, of decisions. Um, but I mean, I think in terms of the general ability to dust yourself off, bounce back, it's a fundamental prerequisite for anyone in, in, in sales and recruitment ultimately is a sales job and anyone that doesn't believe that, you know, I think is in, in, uh, in denial about it. So I think many, many times when I've really just wanted to, I can remember three dropouts in three phone calls on, a, on, on one particular, my own personal Black Friday, right? Friday afternoon, um, yeah, three, three people that were due to start for me the following week and in three separate companies, three entirely different situations and in three consecutive phone calls, I got the sort of Dear John call. And uh, it's fair to say that with the benefit of hindsight, all of these things are great learning um, experiences. Sure. But when I went to the pub that Friday afternoon or Friday evening, I wasn't celebrating, you know, I wasn't having a few pints celebrating what a fantastic learning experience I've just been handed. <laughs> So from that point of view, you know, you, you can, I can think of many of those sorts of things where really you did actually have to be pretty determined not to just throw the towel in and, you know, allow the circumstances just to sort of crush you. I think that kind of capacity of um, uh, resilience is a, is, a, is a prerequisite for anyone that's been successful in this business, really. I agree, Russell. And I, I think you're right that um, it's great to turn around and go, oh, you know, I saw it as a learning experience at the time. Invariably, we don't. We just, as you said, drown your sorrows. And then afterwards, the learning comes or, you know, it's just that thing of, okay, that happened to me. What can I learn from that? But that doesn't for some some of us, it doesn't come till much, much later. Um, Good. okay, thank you for that. And, And Russell, when was that light bulb moment for you? You know, if I talk to 100 recruitment business leaders, they'll say to me there was that eureka moment. There was that moment that, you know, everything became very, very clear about what I should be doing in my recruitment business. Describe that moment for you. Well, I can, I can remember getting recruitment as a recruitment consultant. But literally, um, it, for, for me, it was that... Um, moment when you, 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 you know, the expression, the penny drops, right. you know, I can always remember the clang, you know, in my head. It was like, right, okay, that's how you do it, you know. And I got from this situation where really it was all a bit organized chaos. And I, I was told to do certain things. And if I did those things, you know, I should get um, a, a good result out of it. And in fact, actually, I was with the benefit of hindsight, I think quite unlucky. And quite a few of my sort of early deals didn't happen. 
And my then boss, Bill Bottrell, who was my predecessor as, um, as S3 uh, CEO, sure. uh, took me to lunch and said, look, don't worry, everything you're doing is, is fine, you've just been unlucky. You know, those, those two or three offers that didn't go through, et cetera, they really ought to have done, sure. it's just... Um, and, and so that, that was a very good confidence booster for me. And then I, I remember the first time I got my first um, placement, um, it was just like the, 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 the light had been, you know, switched on. It was like, well, why did I find that so difficult, you know? And I think sometimes when you're managing and training people, it's hard to remember how hard it is because you know things, you know. So to, to, to put yourself in the position of that level of naivety, you know, and I was a pretty street smart, I thought, um, graduate, you know, by most standards, I was pretty commercially aware, I think. Sure. Um, but you, you realise just how little you, you know, anyone knows at that, at that particular stage in their career. Yeah. Uh, you know, the example I always used to um, give to, to, to managers was when, you're, when you can drive, you think, what was the problem with the hill start? I mean, you know, you a clutch, you know, big deal. And yet when you're learning to drive, it seems like it's virtually impossible, doesn't it? Yeah. And you look at that now, and if, you know, if you've ever been involved in teaching someone to drive, and they can't get that, you know, you, know, you, you, want, to, you want to scream at them, because you think, you know, how, how can it be that hard? But of course, you know, you're in precisely that situation yourself. It's just, you, you, you know, to, to you now, it's sort of second nature. So I think sometimes that's one of the big challenges of, of, of management. I love your analogy as well, Russell. It, it, it took my mind to a position where my, my daughter, trying to teach my daughter how to ride a bike. And as you said, it's almost like, come on, it's like you just put your feet there and you just go forward. But as an adult, um, that's easy to see. But to take yourself or take ourselves back to a point where we were children learning that stuff, it was the hardest thing in the world until you get it. Um, so yeah, great, uh, great, great analogy, and thank you for for allowing me to kind of think of that one, um, Russell. You know, in your in your role as chairman at Cube Nineteen, is there anything that you do to help drive the standards of the recruitment industry? Anything on a day to day basis that you do? Well, I mean, Cube, just to explain what Cube Nineteen is is about, Cube is a visual visual analytics. Um, company that uh, was was uh, founded by someone I'd, I'd actually known for for a while, um, and for me, S3 success was not in any small way to doubt to do with actually really turning recruitment into a science, yeah. and, and really um, living in the world of of, of data and, and information. And in fact, S3 spent an awful lot of money um, being state of the art. Um, I had a large, I had, uh, by the time I left the chief executive, I had about 120 internal IT people working for S3. So our internal IT department was bigger than most recruitment companies, basically. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of what those guys were doing was the um, development, really, for, for, for us internally of business intelligence insight, essentially. Um, and when I was approached to Chaircube, and also I'm an investor as, as well, for me, it was a great combination because it was something I do feel passionately about, which is there is a, such a thing as best practice that it can be it can be taught. You can distill it into you know learnable, uh, replicable, replicable steps. Sure. Uh, and really, what this technology does is is encode that in a in a lot of respects. So it, it is about driving standards. It's about um, and going back to that um, comment about the uh, the rookie thing. It's also empowering them. 
at that stage when they don't really know too much about what they're doing to really have a sense that you know well actually these are the activities that are going to make a, a, a difference um, so I think from that point of view it, 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 it's it's a, a very much it's about standards it's about um, introducing a sort of level of you know, almost, I don't want to say a McDonaldization because that, you know, has a negative, you know, connotation. But you go into McDonald's, you know what to expect, right? Absolutely you know? right. So, you know, in terms of a standard, a, 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 a standard expectation, um, then then that's part of, uh, very much part of what Cube 19 is about. At the end of the day, it's about allowing people to make more money. You know, that's what it is. You know, we 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 are we're a business that hopefully makes people make better business decisions and therefore make, make um, creates a, a more profitable recruitment industry. And it's the work that you're doing there, Russell. It kind of takes the guesswork out of it, doesn't it? It's not instead of a, you know, finger in the air and uh, here's my gut feel on it. You're dealing with data, and as you said, you know, success leaves clues. So when you analyse that data, you're able to feed back and 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 tell us whether I'm a rookie or a veteran um, exactly what success looks like within my business. You know, within the business and the other people that are working alongside me. Yeah, and I think one of the important things, actually, Roy, is that, um, you know, what's intuitive isn't necessarily right, and what's right isn't necessarily intuitive. And, I, you know, I think we're all guilty of doing things because we've always done them, yeah. you know, that, that you know. Um, and really understanding whether the activities that you are involved with are really value-adding. Um, you do have to stand back from that and actually say, well, let's, let's take opinion out of this and let's look at what the facts tell tell us yeah uh, you know, my mantras as CEO of s3 was was back was all about fact-based decision um, you know if I was pitched the idea of a new office or a new sector or whatever it might uh, be you know I expected almost academic uh, paper to be written about why we should be interested in that um, uh, business in the first place not yeah. I think it's going to be great because you know I'm a I'm a I'm a confident and enthusiastic salesperson well, yeah. you know um, I'm sure that person was it's just you know I needed more than that to, to, to go on so yeah, I mean, I'm a great believer of uh, a great believer in the power of um, of insight and, and and information. It's brilliant, Russell. Thank you, um, Russell. I'm I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball. Um, and uh, how do you think recruitment, the recruitment industry, is going to develop over, let's say, the next five years? Well, that's probably the best way to answer that is I'm still a significant shareholder in S3. And if I thought there was an existential threat to the recruitment business, the, the fundamental recruitment model, then you know I would I would have voted, if you like, with my, my feet, and you know I, I, so my my um, my exposure to the recruitment industry, in terms of my own personal um, uh, financial uh, position, if you like, is is significantly back in the idea that recruitment, pretty much as we know it, yeah, is around for the medium term. If I didn't think that, I wouldn't be. Uh, backing it with the um, you know with my wallet in that way, Good. I think things are subtly different from back in the day. You know, and 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 anyone that doesn't keep up with you know um, yeah dynamic um, changes in the business, then you know as as uh, as been said before, if the pace of change on the outside is faster than the pace of change on the inside, then any business is in trouble. Yeah, I think on the other hand, it's more similar to how it was even. 30 years ago when I when I started in recruitment that a lot of people give it credit for right uh, so 
they sing about there are more intermediation you know there is more intermediation there is an element of disintermediation but you know i can remember monster telling me in 1999 that you know they were going to have my lunch right <laughs> and you know the, the, the recruitment agency model was dead yeah. you know it was going to be about uh, job boards etc um and i can remember at the time saying literally come and have a go if you think you're hard enough you know <laughs> expression from the playground kind of thing and, uh, and so it proved you know it's still very much a, a, a healthy growing sector I think if you look at countries like Germany it's an interesting sort of almost scientific experiment because the war if you like was very much won by recruitment agencies in markets like the UK many years ago yeah but because it was actually illegal to be a recruitment agency in Germany until relatively recently you had a situation where job boards for example um, had a equal sort of run at the market, you know, that, that they weren't, they weren't um, competing against such an entrenched recruitment agency uh, marketplace. So sure. it was in a way, if, the, that, if it's the, they're, they're the natural winners, yeah. they should have been the natural winners in, in Germany. And of course what's happened, yeah, okay, there's a healthy job board sector in Germany, but there's also a very, very healthy uh, recruitment agency sector. That's such a fair point, Russ. I hadn't even thought about that before. I was around uh, in, in the industry and, and part of some of the first training that went into Germany. Um, and I didn't even make that connection that, you know, if, if the job boards were going to ever overtake the recruitment industry, that was the market and the, the time to have done it in. And, and of course, the recruitment industry grown and is very successful uh, model in Germany. Um, well, is I, I think, you know, what we provide is a concierge service to the candidate and yeah. it's free. Yeah. Right? So what's not to like about that? And, and as long as, you know, you've got a market which is reasonably healthy in the in the sense that you know there's demand for the skills that you're you're providing to your clients. Um, then you know if you think about what the value add is for the candidate, that's the, very often a massively underestimated um, part of this story. Yeah, is this kind of customer which is the candidate? Yeah, you know, so it suits an internal corporate HR person perhaps to to, to, to say, well, this is the way I want to go down to, to hire people. Well, if that doesn't suit the the candidates, it's, it's not going to happen, right? Spare very very. Okay. Very true. Russell, thank you for that. Um, Russell, I want to move us into the lightning round. I'm going to ask you um, five questions that everyone wants to know about you. The lightning round. Um, let's kick off with question number one. What's the number one thing that you see holding recruiters back from becoming successful? I think there's a lot of busy falls. I think it's very, very easy. One of the key skills is differentiation and understanding what's an opportunity for you. Um, and I think that's something I've consistently seen is people um, believing that, you know, every candidate was the greatest candidate in the world and every job was the best possible job, you know. And, and, and the reality of it is our function is to bring those two together and, and, and effectively bring together two people that wouldn't necessarily have naturally found um, a, 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 a place together. Sure. And you do that by negotiating the relative, um, uh, uh, what's the right, you know, expectation management, I suppose, is, is essentially what I'm talking about. Without that expectation management, like I said, there's a hell of a lot of busy falls there. It's true. Lots of activity uh, yeah. and not really going anywhere. Um, Russell, what's the best piece of business or recruitment advice you've ever received? I think know your market. I know that sounds like a, um, an obvious thing to say, but I think I've had colleagues in the past that actually took almost like a perverse pleasure of, of how little they knew about the market they worked in. You know, they literally think it was a sort of badge of honour if they based someone and they had absolutely not a clue what that person did. You know, um, 
But uh, I was always, I actually genuinely had an intellectual curiosity about the market. I was in the IT industry um, uh, sector primarily, uh, which was a very dynamic and very exciting uh, industry to be in around that time, you know, from the sort of mid-80s um, onwards. Um, so I thought it wasn't hard for me to, to, to be interested in it. Um, but that makes a massive, massive difference, you know, having that gen genuine, so you can be a credible expert. That's, that's really what you're being paid to do. And I, I agree with you, Russell. I think um, it's that phrase, isn't it? In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And I think, you know, within any of these niches, or, you know, maybe niches going back then, um, it was the smarter consultant that wasn't, you know, didn't necessarily know every single thing about that particular niche, but just knew more than the average consultant that was working it, or just that bit more than the average consultant working in it. Yeah, so, well, you know, we built a bit, a bit, a very substantial business, really, on just scaling up um, niches. You know, that is effectively S3 is in, at the aggregation of many niche recruitment businesses under one umbrella. Um, you know, I don't believe in a way you could be too specialised. You know, you can certainly be not specialised enough, much, much easier. True. Um, so the first thing, you know, is be an expert, you know, bring something to the party, be famous for something. Great piece of advice, Russell. Um, Russell, tell us about something that you use personally in your business right now, something that's working brilliantly for you personally in your business. Well, I see, I see the benefit, and I, I, you know, I, I guess I would say this, wouldn't I, as the chairman and an investor in it, but you know, some of the, I'm also the chairman of a couple of other recruitment companies sure. um, that um, are non-competitive with S3, I should, I should hasten to add, um, and, and both of those have become key uh, customers, and um, that has, I think, the potential to make an enormous difference to, to how, I mean, these are two very successful businesses, um, you know, run by smart guys, etc. Um, but what they haven't had up until now is that real insight and um, and, and fact-based decision-making capability that like I talked about earlier, um, and um, you know, it really has made made a made a, a significant difference. And they're only really at the start of that journey, and uh, they've already seen some some really um, major. Uh, objective, you know, real success, not we feel business is doing better, the business is actually doing better. Sure. And said so that, that that's only really, they're, they're still early adopters. That's brilliant. That's brilliant, Russell. Um, Russell, what's the best business book that you've read in the last six months? Well, I reread um, uh, in uh, the summer, actually, um, Barbarians at the Gate. Okay. Which is kind of, it's a business book because it's about business, but it's not, you know, it's not formally a business um book per se, uh, which tells the story of the um, the, the takeover of um, R.J. Nabisco okay. in the, in the uh, 80s, and it reads like a, a novel. I mean, it's just got, the, you know, it's the most amazing um, tales of excess and boardroom extravagance, etc., etc. I mean, you know, it, it's mind-boggling what people got away with back then, you know, these would be public companies. Right. Um, so that's a great read. It's a good holiday read, actually. Okay. It's a good read. Thank you for that one. I've not read that, so that's definitely going on uh, on, my, on my list for the next reads. That's for sure. Um, Russell, final question for you in this lightning round: If you woke up tomorrow morning, you still possessed all of the knowledge and the experience and capability that you have, um, but your business had completely disappeared. And let's take all of your businesses. We'll say all of them that that you're involved in. They've all completely disappeared. And you had to start somewhere, anywhere from scratch. What would you do? I would probably do a state agency, right? Okay. And a couple of reasons. One, because um, people should sort of 
stop deluding themselves that recruitment agency and estate agency don't have parallels. They quite clearly do. The major difference, obviously, being that the house has an opinion in our world, right? Um, but because I actually think estate agents are, without doubt, the most talentless salespeople I've ever had the misfortune to actually be exposed to. <coughs> How they haven't got the reputation for being pushy is completely uh, beyond me. Um, so in, in terms of um, you know, thinking well, something I could actually use my own background and think, well, I couldn't be any worse than the, the, than, than the people that are actually doing it in, and, and seem to be doing all right out of it, um, I think I'd probably actually um, get, get into uh, estate agency. Well, I think that's a fair assessment. If you ran an estate agency like you ran a recruitment company, it would have to be more successful than the average estate agency because in my, my experience, anything to go by, if you ran a recruitment company like you run an estate agency, you'd go out of business within a few months. Absolutely right. It's interesting that actually, Russell, because I, I met um, uh, estate agents or real estate agents in, in the States and they kind of made the same point uh, to me about the UK estate agency market. You know, just a really interesting um, summary. They were saying, look, you know, you guys do it very, very differently in the UK as, uh, you know, as opposed to what, the way that we do it in the US. Um, similar point, I think. Yeah, and, and, and actually what happened when Foxons tried to go out to the States, you know, it, it was a disaster for them, you know, so it was very, very interesting to see that actually being put into practice by what is unquestionably a very good and successful uh, business. Sure. And just didn't translate across the Atlantic and they were selling on price as well, though, because they were actually offering um, uh, much lower uh, percentage fees. Wow. Yeah, the, uh, the realtors were there and it, and it just didn't work, didn't wash because they just didn't understand the market. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Russell, thank you for that. Um, we are coming to an end, but if you were to give us one final piece of advice and also, you know, how can people get in touch with you after, the, after watching this episode? Well, I'm, I'm a very... Um uh, inconsistent user of LinkedIn, but they can always go, uh, give it a go uh, to, uh, to get on. I would be on, uh, on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, uh, but you know, in terms of in terms of the you know my general, my, my general advice is that any, the only the only thing that people that I've met in my life who've been conspicuously successful have had in common, um, and it certainly wasn't that they were necessarily always the brightest people or necessarily you know had other kind of uh, attributes beyond the fact that I've never met anyone that wasn't a grafter. Mm -hmm. Right? It's about you know ultimately it's about putting the work in. I think um, if you can make sure that that's done in a way where you've got a decent uh, chance that the work and the effort you put in is actually going to be successful, which goes back to that whole point about fact-based decision-making, etc. But no, no, one, no one in my uh, experience uh, uh, that has uh, been significantly successful in recruitment is anything other than somebody who works bloody hard. Russell, thank you so much. And again, you know, you echo things that I've thought and maybe said, it uh, seemed like for centuries, it's that work hard first and go to work on smart second. You know, people talk about work smart, work smart, but I, I don't think anything beats just good old fashioned graft, you know, it has to begin with that. No, and, and, and there is unquestionably a generational challenge, which we talked a lot about at S3, which was, you know, the Gen Xers, you know, I'm probably borderline baby boomer, I think, probably, it's probably the same as you. Um, you know, there is a different mindset, you know, it's an, and, it's, and we have, you know, a lot of conversations about Generation X managers managing Generation Y staff. Yeah, it's true. Uh, certainly in terms of the, the general attitudes towards um, uh, work, I'd say that there's a, a definite generation difference there.
I agree. I agree. Russell, listen, thank you so much for joining us in the Recruiters Live Lounge today. Uh, I've been really, really kind of just stoked and excited to hear your answers, answers to questions I would have asked you years gone by. So thank you for sharing uh, those answers and your, your journey. Um, to everyone else out there, uh, remember to listen to more of these Recruiters Live Lounge episodes. All you need to do is subscribe. Until we see you again the next time, take care. Cheerio. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Recruiters Live Lounge with Roy Ripper. Join us next time for more insights and incredible success journeys to help you be a better recruitment business leader. Deleso was formed to enable recruitment owners and managers to focus their skills and efforts in areas that would get the most rewards, such as sales. Deleso supports clients by providing a tailor-made service from outsourced back-office functions right the way through to director-level advice and consultancy. Go to deleso.co.uk forward slash reclive lounge to find out more and start talking to them today.